up, everybody? We back. R2C2. Little bonus episode. Couldn't have the World Series end and not have an episode, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Especially if it was a good one. We got a good series. Yeah. It, it was a good series. Now, what games did you end up going to of the series, see? I was at game one and two. Got you. Um, in Houston. So that was the game. Real Muto hit the home run late. Yep. Um, uh, Verlander was dealing early. I feel like he just, I mean, I feel like he sped their bats up. I feel like he got in trouble with a little bit of his off speed in that game one. Ended up giving up the five-run lead. And then game two was the Valdez game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was at those first two games. Hey, Valdez could have been the World Series MVP as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. He dealt. Guy guy won two games, you know, as a starter in the World Series. Was amazing in game two. Was great in game six. He's nasty, man. Their whole rotation. It's interesting. See, the Astros were, obviously, for anyone who was a Yankee fan, the most hated team you've had around in a long time, right? Especially after everything that was unearthed in the aftermath of the 2017 loss. But we talked about it from the second they hired Dusty Baker, how much we revere him, how he was the perfect hire, and this sort of interesting internal feeling of you'd be happy for Dusty if they won, even if you're rooting against this team that's become your mortal enemy. And it was incredible to see how many Yankees fans I've heard from, talked to last couple of days, talk about, I'm so happy for Dusty. How many Giants fans who saw him come to the brink, I'm so happy for Dusty. You know, how many baseball fans in general, I'm so happy for Dusty. And my most prevalent feeling after this World Series is, I'm so happy for Dusty. Yeah, and I think I think that was a sentiment for everybody, you know, and and especially in Houston, you can see it right after, and the guys coming up and run, run, you know, running to him and saying, you know, we did this for you, and um, I think he was the only guy that could have pulled them out of what they were in, you know, in yeah. 17, and um, I, I don't think that I don't think that when when he was hired to be the Astros manager, I don't think that people thought that they were good enough to win another World Series, mm. you know, what I'm saying, or even go back to the World Series because. You know, Springer was leaving. Correa was, go- you know, Correa was on his way out this year. All these different things. So I don't, I don't think people, yeah, Cole left. I don't think people really gave them, you know, World Series or, you know, this type of aspiration. So to see them be able to, you know, maintain this 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 great run that they've been on with the rookie shortstop, with McCormick in center field, um, you know, getting Alvarez out in left field, um, I mean, it's, it's it's crazy to watch. Their organization right now is something that everybody should be aspiring to duplicate, emulate, get as close as they can to trying to be what they are. I mean, if you think about it, what you just said, see, this is a team that lost Springer, Correa, Cole, revamped the entire bullpen, didn't miss a beat, maybe got better. It's unbelievable. But you know what's crazy too is that they they drafted Springer, they drafted Correa, they got Altuve, Kyle Tucker's homegrown, McCormick, yep. Alvarado, Bregman. They're home. They're, these these all these guys are homegrown. Jeremy Pena talked yeah. about last night, but you know being in the organization and winning the championship his first year in rookie ball and just the expectation of of winning. You know what I'm saying? Like 
they've they've done it top to bottom in a way that I think everybody's trying to mimic. I know we talk always talk about the Dodgers system and yep. and how great it is, and they can just trade off players and you know, but it don't result in World Series. And right. you know what I'm saying? Like it 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 it's, it's just haven't played out the way it's playing out for these guys in Houston. And you have to give them so much credit because of the way that they 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 raised all this homegrown talent. It is you know just kind of is what it is. And you have to give them credit for letting Jeremy Pena go out and play. Yes. And let him yes. go out and play shortstop all year and didn't yep. care on a championship caliber team. Yep. That's something I feel like they, we won't ever do here in the Bronx. Yeah. Well, it was something we talked about, right? Where It's something that they did in 1996, and look how that yep. shit played out, right? But it's, it's something point. that they won't do since, since that guy named Derek Jeter did it in 1996. Right. Like, who knows what you might've ended up having with uh, Peraza if he had been up the entire year, you know, I mean, like not even up the entire year, just when you knew you weren't going to trade him at the deadline, then yeah. bring him up. Yeah. Yeah. Let him yes. play two, three days a week. And if he can handle that, then he's a fucking shortstop. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the one, if there was one real miss from the season, like personnel wise, because yes, like the injuries to DJ and Ben Intendi destroyed the Yankees. Destroyed the Yankees. Destroyed, destroyed the lineup. It. it destroyed the lineup. And and you kind of heard Boone and Cash talking about it this week when they did their press conferences. And look, people like to say, like, oh, you know, like don't make excuses, whatever. But the reality is those were devastating injuries to the lineup. Devastating, especially DJ, but also Ben Intendi, because of what he brought that was different from what they had elsewhere, which was, you know contact on base, all of that. So yeah, those were absolutely destructive injuries to the lineup. But outside of those injuries, if you were going to look at one thing kind of like just positional player wise that you look at, you say they absolutely should have made it viable to be playing Peraza at short every day in the playoffs. It, but it, okay. So it's not even just Peraza. It's just the young guys just in general. Whenever we have the, like, is it like Jason Dominguez? Like when he's ready, yeah. him the fuck up. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. let these kids play, man. Like, the shit, the shit pays off. These these guys are well prepared and ready. And and you know, I mean, you can't speak enough about what Jeremy Pena was for these guys. Eight in that uh, lineup. How about the example of Cano? Like the last yeah. time I could think of where it was like, oh wow, this came out of nowhere. Like you weren't hearing like, oh, Robbie Cano is on the brink of making the major league. Nothing like that. And granted, you know, okay, you know, there was a little less attention around it then than there is you know, in today's hyper-information age. But still, it wasn't like, you know, he was finished developing in the minors at that point. It was, this guy's really good. We have a problem. We think he can help us. Let's see. Lo and behold, he's amazing. He comes up. You know, Tony Womack had been struggling. And from that moment forward, he is, you know, at the center of the Yankees ended up going to the playoffs in 2005 when... If he doesn't get called up, they probably miss the playoffs. And you know what's crazy is that none of us are ready for the big leagues. When you're, if you're under 25 and you ain't go to college, guys, you ain't ready for the fucking big leagues. Yeah, there's just you're just not. You know what I'm saying? But if you if you if you got a mature kid and and, they, and you feel like they can handle the the rigor of the season, throw his ass up there. And if you got good culture and you got the the right vets around him, it'll work out. Like. I was nowhere near ready to be a big league pitcher because at 20 years old. Yeah. Nowhere near because yeah. I had the vets. I had Burba. I had Chuck Finley. I had uh, Ellis Burks. I had Matt Lawton. I had these different guys that could like bring me along. 
So yeah. it's up to you and your organization to be able to, to have these type of guys that can help you fucking develop your young talent. You're talking about Derek Jeter. You talk about Cecil Fielder and, you know, Daryl Strawberry, the guys that Tim helped. Tim Raines. Tim Raines, fucking yep. Gerald, Gerald Williams. Like, these guys yep. helped him, man. Like, yeah. so it's, it's, just, it's the culture. And the, the Astros have that culture. Man, what the Astros have done is just, it's incredible. It's funny. There is, I think, there's a part of me, and I've talked about this before, that as a sports fan, I like there to be this sports universe set in its proper balance. And, you know, one of the examples I can use of that is LeBron James when he didn't have a championship, you know? Like, even though it was fun rooting against him with the Heat after he went there and, like, there was, you know, such vitriol for that team. And and I can remember initially, even myself, like I rooted harder against that Heat team than than any team I'd ever rooted against before. I never rooted against teams. You know but why? I rooted because you were a New one. Yorker. You thought he was coming to New York. I, I, it, probably. Yes, yeah. probably. No, yeah. he, everybody in yeah. New York was pissed because they thought he was coming to New York. Pro- honestly, pro- it probably was that. And then y'all and, was all mad because he made Jay-Z fly out there. Y'all gonna make Jay-Z fly out there. Oh, my gosh. Can't, <laughs> can't do Jay like that. When, when everyone left the room and just it was just him and Jay, remember that was one of the reports <laughs> from the meeting? Yeah. I was like, oh, no, that's where he's telling Jay, like, hey, I'm not coming, but, you know, um, but, but even then when he, when they finally won, I felt a level of satisfaction because I felt like, ah, yes. Like the sports universe is into balance. You know, that's how it should be felt that way when they won the championship in Cleveland as well with LeBron. Cause like that needed to happen. Yes. You know, and then there's also an element of respect where it's like, even if you rooted against someone or some team forever, if they win over and over and over again, there's a part of you that just ends up being like, okay, but, uncle, no, you know, that's you not don't true. feel that way? No, it's, I, 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 I thousand percent feel that way, but yeah. you don't feel that way about Tom Brady. Yes, I do. No, that's the example. Don't. I rooted for Tom Brady with the Bucks. I did. Okay. I, I, I rooted for, that's actually the example. I rooted against him all those years with the Pats, always, right? And then he won, he won the, he won the final one with New England, and I realized, like, against the Rams, and I realized I had this feeling inside where I was just like, I, I didn't feel a searing, like, hatred anymore. I didn't feel <laughs> angry anymore. I just felt like, yeah, you know what? He really is the GOAT, and there's nothing else you can say. And, and then I ended up rooting for him with Tampa because I was like, oh, I want him to, like, get the seventh. Like, do it without Belichick. I kind of was motivated by that. I had that but, with Peyton Manning. I had to, I had to oh, like. Peyton was my guy. I didn't you, like you against him. Mm-hmm. I rooted against him hard, like because I just felt like everything was like handed to him. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I, obviously, I didn't, I didn't know him. I just yeah. outside looking in, so it just seemed like they just anointed him. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, nah, the guy in fucking New England is actually the goat. You know what I'm saying? So it took me a while to actually appreciate Peyton Manning and you know his greatness, just because of the same way, just because I you know I rooted against him. Yeah. So, Right. It's funny. I rooted against Tom because I was a Peyton guy and I was always like, Peyton is so clearly better. What, you know what I would come up with my arguments. And then also because it was at the height of Yankees, Red Sox, and I didn't want Boston fans winning championships. Yeah. You know what my Peyton hate came from? Cause I, I, I kind of grew up a Florida Gators fan, which is odd watching college football, but like those Danny Warfel years, like I I always, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that was the same around the same time as Peyton Manning was there. So it was, like, 
So it was almost like Florida, Tennessee, these big yeah, fumbles, and I was yeah. always moving from Florida. So, so that's you know, how it developed, and then you carried it into the and NFL. I just carried it into the NFL. Yeah, it's funny. But, but what's interesting is what happened with you, it sounds like, and what's happened with me in those circumstances is the the players, the teams, they're so great. At some point, you just say, wow, you know, tip the hat. And that's how I feel about the Astros, you know. I feel like the hatred is pointless because they're so great. And what they've done is amazing. And what they've also done is I believe they've validated everything they did up until this point, including 2017. Not to say that their, you know, cheating didn't play a significant role in 2017 because, you know, clearly it it very well may have, right? But I think there's going to be a different feeling now. If that was the only championship, see, if they never won again, you're going to say, well, like, you don't even look at it. Because they won again, I think it validates it. I think anybody who was feeling a little weird about having that 2017 ring on their finger now all of a sudden feels a lot better about wearing it now that they've done it again. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, we said that. You know what I'm saying? And I think we even said that in the moment. Like, yeah. if they don't ever yeah. win another one, then, you know what I'm saying? And this is the worst shit ever. But yeah. the fact that they just keep getting back and they went back last year and they were in the ALCS in 2020, you know what I'm saying? Like. I mean, and even, you know, even on, on the podcast, Correa was like, yeah. what are they going to say? I said, we're going to say you fucking cheated. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. won again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They fucking yeah. won again. So, well, I mean, what you want them to say? What you want them yeah. to say? Yeah. Now, nothing to say. That's how you go and do it. You know, that's how, that's how you go and validate what you've done. And I, you know, I think the other thing it does see it sets a standard for everyone else to chase, you know, like yeah. that that's the dragon you have to try and slay. You got to figure out what are they doing with their, with their pitching development, with their player development, that these guys come up and they're so ready, not just to succeed through the course of the season, but to succeed at the biggest moments. I mean, they have guys who come through with the big hit. They have pitchers who find a way to keep you off the board for inning after inning after inning. However, there maybe there's a psychological component as well, the way they're developing guys, but clearly see they are ticking all the boxes when it comes to getting players prepared to win in October. Yeah. I mean, and like, like you said, I mean, we just keep talking about the guys, you know, developing players and all this stuff. I mean, you know, they got Framber Valdez from the DR late. I think he was 18. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they got uh Jordan Alvarez with Josh Fields, but they were they were on him before he signed with the Dodgers. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So it's just these little Jeremy Pena, University of Maine, you know, yeah. big your son. Like, yeah, I, I, like I, I really root for that kid just because I see his story in my fucking son. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So like it's 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 cool to see like these college players coming in the game and, and developing at this rate, but it's it's uh I mean, yeah, it ain't really nothing else to say. It's but amazing, man. Yeah. It's, and, it's- and, you know, to go back to Dusty, you know, for a moment, think about this. 55 years in the game, he had 3,884 regular season games, 97 in the playoffs, all those seasons playing, managing, you know, couldn't couldn't quite get the ring. As close as you can get, think about 2002 World Series. Think about being up 6 nothing 
in game six. Looks like you're absolutely going to win. Bonds at the peak of his powers, and the Angels pull off one of the greatest comebacks of all time and then win game seven. And here he is at 73 years old, becomes the oldest manager to win it. And it takes a special person, see, to have everybody's immediate first thought be, I'm happy for that guy. You think about that journey, and I know that each one of those losses came with you know, probably just incredible pain along the way and, and wondering, okay, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? But now, I mean, how much sweeter does it make this moment for Dusty that he went through all of that? Yeah, no, nah, I mean, you know, going through all of those tough times with the national, I mean, not tough times, you know, going to the World Series with, you know, with the Giants and, you know, having those the, the Nationals years, but um, finally breaking through, man, 25 years of, you know, he's got a, he's got a championship as a player. Um, you know, he's done so many great things on and off the field. It's hard to put in words like, for me, what Dusty means to me, because he's such, he's such a part of my journey, you know mm. what I'm saying? Um, and still to this moment, still to this day, I saw him, you know, before BP games one and two, gave him a big hug, told him I love him. I'm pr- you know, we, we're proud of each other. And um, it's just awesome to see, man. I, like for me, I just can't wait to see him in Cooperstown. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like when he gets inducted and and the and the party is going to be and, and you know, it's uh, it's it's great. It's great to see. Yeah, I just feel so happy for him. And I wanted to share this with you. So the other night I'm doing... Um... Timberwolves Friday night. I was doing Timberwolves uh, Bucks with Van Gundy, and Jeff is a huge Astros fan. He's a big sports. He's like you. Like he's a big sports fan for all the other, you know, sports that he he doesn't, um, you know, coach or whatever. Yeah, and uh, and and even the one he covered, he consumes the NBA every single night. But I was asking him, like, do you get nervous as a sports fan? Because he's like a huge Georgia football fan because his oldest daughter went there. Um, he is a massive Texans fan. He's a huge, huge Astros fan. Um, and, uh, he just said, he was like, he's like, ah, I don't get that nerve. He's like, I'm nervous for dusty. He's like, that's who I'm nervous for. He's like, I want this for dusty. And we ended up during the broadcast. We did a couple minutes then on dusty. And I was, he was like, dusty Baker was a great athlete. And I was like, yes, actually CC and I had him on the pod recently. And he was telling us how he always wanted to be a basketball player. And if not for feeling like he needed to go make money right away, he probably would have pursued basketball in college at multiple scholarships. And I'm sure Jeff knew of Dusty uh, or knew of heard of Dusty because kind of from the same area, same area. Yeah. yeah they, well, they I was telling Martinez about, and Dusty grew up in SAC. And I was telling about his camps, you know, and how influential they were. And you and know, it's you know, crazy. I was thinking about the camp. Uh, odd, like oddly thinking about the camps this morning. The camps were awesome. Like, the, yeah. but like the parties that we had at the hotels, cause, cause the camp was two weeks long. Whoa, it was, bro, yeah. it was sick. The pool oh, was like, that's great. How the, old it, are you partying like this? Huh? How old were you partying 13, like uh, this? 13 through, se- 13 through, si- through, si- through 16. I went yeah. for three years. Yeah. And it, it was just so much fun running up and down the halls of Holiday Inn, like at the pool, like, I don't know why I thought about that memory today, but it just dropped. Oh, it's so fun, like, man. It was super cool. You remember how fun that used to be if, like, you had, like, a, a road tournament with your baseball team? Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I can also picture, like, jumping in the pool at a Holiday Inn, man. With the football, yeah, uh, with yeah, the footballs yeah. and shit, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like, jumping in the water, catching. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, 
No responsibility then. What a life. <laughs> what a life. It's just what unbelievable. A fucking life. Take me it's, back. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Maybe that's what heaven is. See, you just get to like, <laughs> what if what if you just got to like choose different moments in your life and be like, I want to relive that. Like an oh, on-demand be, replay system. That'd be sick. That'd be sick, right? <laughs> that would be sick. What's what what's the first what's the first thing you could think of that you would replay? The first Probably Lil C's uh, birth. Oh, that's awesome, man. Probably the, like my kids, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's kind of like the start of my family, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm a big family. Yeah. But like, this is the start of like my branch of my family. So, yeah. Yeah. Those, that was, those were emotional times. Every time I, I saw my kid being born, I cried like a, like a baby. Yeah, man. I get it, dude. I get it. I like, same thing for me. Obviously, I, you know, I have, I have one right now with Evie. But um, it's funny. The first thing I thought of that I would replay is like, I don't know how old Evie was, maybe like, maybe like five months. And Andrea and I were sitting on the play mat with her. And I just like made this noise. It's funny. Andrea's over there and she like shaking her head. Yes, because she knows the moment I'm talking about. I just like made this little noise like with my hand. I went like that. And she just started cracking up and it was the first time she like belly laughed belly laughed belly laughed and i had been traveling like crazy and so it was like uh it was like a sunday where we were finally all home together and i just kept going and she was losing it like you know (laughs) like that straight out of central casting baby laugh and Uh like it was so magical that andrea and i started crying like that's how incredible her laugh was and like if i if you were asking me like what's the first moment you'd want to replay it'd be that you know that's awesome it it is amazing what you just said though right like when you start your own family it's a it's like this it's like this really interesting purposeful feeling that you just carry with you constantly then yeah it is and and growing up in a big family you know i always wanted my own branch of you know what i mean like like the holidays this year we got 30 people coming but like even if not, like I got a house full, like you know, yeah, what I'm yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. There's always constantly people here. There's kids here all the time. Like this house is full with like love and laughter, and you know, yeah. just people running up and down. And that's always what I wanted. And just to be able to have that on my own here with yeah. my own branch of the Sabathia family, you know, it's, it's something special. Hey, it must mean something about Dusty that somehow talking about him brings us to these beautiful memories, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a credit to him. We'll have to try and get him back on at some point. For our audience, though, if you haven't listened to the recent pod with Dusty or with Rob Thompson or what we just aired last week with Theo Epstein going through all the rule changes with baseball, the rule changes that could still come, the things they tested and scrapped, definitely go back and listen. You are going to love that pod you know as far as rob goes see i mean he did an amazing job and i do think there's some commonality that's sort of encouraging for the old school lover of baseball seeing rob and dusty be the managers to guide their teams to these mo- to this moment to october success you know two guys who very much welcome information but also know as joe tory likes to say the game has a heartbeat and they kind of know how to balance that yeah, absolutely. And two guys that can connect with their players, hmm. whether they're younger, old pitchers, you know, position players, whatever it is that both of those guys, Tomper connects with that team and can get that team rallied around them and, you know, get them going like 
I was there for their stretch during game two. Yeah. Um, and just the, he just makes you feel comfortable. Like you can go yeah. to him and have a conversation about anything. And that's rare for a manager. And he was the bench coach for the longest time. So he just, he's never changed. You know what I'm saying? And the same conversations I had with him when I played in 2009 and 10, 11, and 12, I saw Ria Muto and Nick Castellanos coming up to him and Schwarber. It's the same feeling. And that comfortability is all a player wants. It's so hard to play baseball in the big leagues, man. It's, it's a tough fucking sport. And, and it beats you down mentally. But if you have somebody that you feel like is in your corner every single day, like Tomper is, like Dusty is, like K-Long is, makes you go out and play and, and you can perform at a high level, man. Do you think, because a lot of times, and we've had this conversation more broadly, but a lot of times the impact of managers in the analytical era um, is sort of sullied, right? People try and act like you could put almost anyone in there and what's going to happen is what can, what's going to happen. I can remember, um, I can remember someone from a baseball operations department saying to me at one point, like, Oh, a great manager at most is worth five wins over the course of the regular season. And we've had that discussion. Now we both don't agree with that, but I want to ask you this. See how much of a difference do you think it makes during October to have a certain kind of manager? Like how could you feel a difference in either your own performance or the team's performance, depending on who was your manager in a given October? Um, I think the only time I felt that we needed to make a change was mm-hmm. when we were in Milwaukee, when mm-hmm. I was in Milwaukee. Like, when I, when I went to the playoffs in 07, when I went to the playoffs in 01, I was 20, 21 years old. Didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, just give, give me the ball, whatever. 07... Um, I I felt like we were underprepared. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we got outmanaged. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and it just was what it was. Whether yeah. it was our coaching staff, whatever, we yeah. they Boston outmanaged us. You know what I'm saying? I, and I could see that difference. Yeah. Oh, when I get to Milwaukee down the stretch, I'm like, damn, man, like it's about to happen again to us. What happened in 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 uh, Cleveland? Cleveland? They ended up making a change. They fire Ned. They hire. Dale Swain, who was the bench coach, and we make the playoffs. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it was because of the comfortability to be able to go in Dale's office. As soon as they hired him, I went to Dale's office. I said, I'm pitching on three days rest. I don't give a fuck. I couldn't <laughs> have did that with Ned, but yeah. me and Dale had that, that relationship. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So, it, it, it's, it, yeah, I, I, absolutely. That makes a huge difference. Is there also something where if, like, the guy's uptight or the guy's nervous or, like, because it's interesting, because one thing you, you just talked about was, knowing they're prepared, right? They, they, you get comfort for that as a player, knowing like, oh, like maybe my coaching staff's on top of this. They're going to turn over every leaf, right? But then there's also probably something like, oh, like this person's like calm in the biggest moment. Like, like right, like what, what kind of is the, if you could take one trait for a manager to help you in October, what would it be? It would be the preparedness but but you it, it, that doesn't happen in October. Like you see that all year. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you know what it's gonna be like going into October based on shit that happened in April. Yeah. And, and, and really shit that based on that, that happened in August and September, because the race is gonna get tight. If you make the playoffs, it's gonna be wild card, you know what I'm saying? Wild card situations, fucking trying to win a division. So it's gonna be like playoff games coming down the stretch. So you're gonna get to see if this guy's 
uptight, if he's yeah. prepared, if we lose a game, is he gonna freak the fuck out? You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I, I remember, I remember, uh, I, t- I, t- I tell you, I don't know if I told you the story. I remember the, the meeting we had the night before game one um, in, in, uh, in Minnesota, uh, at, at Yankee Stadium against Minnesota in 09. And I think it was Joe. It may have been, it may have been Tomper. Somebody there is like, we just need 11 more wins. And like, you go into like, I'm like, when I heard that, I was like, oh, fuck, we for sure going to fucking win. We yeah. definitely don't win 11 more before whoever else is out there. So like those little things of just knowing what it takes to win, you know, can, can set you over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did get those 11 wins in 09. So but I'm telling out. you, when he said yeah. that, I was like, because you go in, you're so nervous. It's my first time with the Yankees. We're having this big meeting. We in the fucking media room. Chad did the video. It's the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. all, I'm like, fuck, man, I'm pitching game one. Yeah. You know, we got to get off. And somebody was like, oh, we only need 11 more. I'm like, fuck, I can, yeah. we can do that in our sleep. You know what yep. I'm saying? So like those little type of things in winning organizations, whether it come from the manager or just the culture, changes how you play in October. Love this conversation. Love this conversation. Congrats to the Astros. Congrats to the Phillies on an amazing ride, an amazing season. Um, and congrats to Houston on dominance that just couldn't be denied. And it's interesting. Just one final thought on that on the World Series. See, it's like, you know, there are times where you could break down games in a World Series and say, oh, if you would have done this or instead of that or done that instead of this. I don't think there's any one decision or anything like that that you turn to and say, like, oh, the Phillies really cost themselves with this. I think, you know, obviously there's, you know, the catch in right center and there's Alvarez's home run in the sixth inning and there's... Boy, you, that you, was a fucking... I've, that was a bomb, guys. Bomb, man. Jesus bomb. Christ. It was hit like so that, hard, it almost felt like it was a laser, like a single to center field that, that just, like, psh, took off. fucking... I mean... Yeah. That was crazy. But like you crazy. said, there wasn't just one no. thing to point to. I felt like on the Fox broadcast, they were trying to, you know, Dusty's leaving guys in too long and this and A-Rod and those guys were saying shit, but there wasn't nothing on either side that I saw that could have pointed to a change either way. The Astros had really good pitching. The the the, the Phillies bats fucking, I mean, yeah. I don't even know if they dried up. Pitching beats fucking good offense all the time. Yeah. Defense is going to win fucking championships. You know what yes. I'm saying? You right. got to score to win. And right. if you can't get hits off Valdez and you get fucking no hit at home, you're going to fucking lose the World Series. Yes. You need great pitching, great defense, timely hitting. Nobody, n- No team hits 300 as a team in the playoffs. Man, no and, no and team hits 270 way to the World Series. Yeah, they have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean... It, you you just know that that wasn't gonna keep up, Cass. No, like, exactly. They absolutely mashed their way. I mean, and, even that ball Schwarber hit last night was a this oh, rock. Like, yes, it was. That ball they can hit, and I think Cassiano's next year is gonna have a better year. That yeah. seems to be really good. But yeah, yeah. But the, but the but the overriding thing is Houston was better, and the Houston's, bullpen wasn't deep enough in Philly. Yes, and Houston wasn't in, deep enough in Philly, and Houston's bullpen is impossibly deep, and yes. their starting staff is too. They just they're clearly the best team. They were the best and, team. And that's how you end. Could the Phillies have won that series? Yeah, they're up 2-1 with two home games in front of them. Obviously, game five was a game that easily could have gone either way. Um, but what ends up happening is the team that's 
you know, the best usually finds a way to make you end up feeling that way about especially those games. Seven, especially in seven games. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. So congrats to the Astros. Clearly the best team. You know, see, uh, as we move away, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be on top of everything hot stove and, and whatnot. And uh, as, but as we move away from baseball, we'll dive deeper and deeper into everything that's been going on in the NBA thus far. Uh, but for this pod, we wanted to keep it to World Series reaction. And then also just a little quick dip into free agency for baseball because I almost felt like we were getting our wish see when free agency starts and already we have a signing Edwin Diaz getting a five-year hundred plus million dollar deal to return to the Mets they wasted no time locking up uh, the best reliever on the market what'd you think about that I feel like the Mets are gonna try to make their team a lot better this year hmm Think you're uh, gonna do whatever it takes. Yep. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think they got a little embarrassed. I got a little ahead of themselves, and I think this. I think they're gonna try to make their team better. Man, what I mean, having Steve Cohen compared to having the Wilpons, how much? I mean, you imagine how much better you feel as a Met fan right now. Like you know, anything is possible anything when it comes to possible. free agency. Yeah. Versus like you were trying to act like a small market team in New York for however long under the Wilpons. And I, I feel Madoff. like the Dodgers, I feel like the Dodgers, anything is in play with them right now. Too. Yeah. I yeah. feel like, I feel 100%. like, I feel like the Dodgers are more embarrassed than anybody. You know That's what I'm saying? That's a good point. So maybe they just go out and try and. Yeah. Just yeah. organizational wise, just, you know, yeah. being the best team for fucking the whole summer, um, you know, year after year, all these different wins and shit and, Every fucking year they come to October. Every year they come to yeah. October, Tess. It's like, amazing. It's and amazing. Then, so I feel like they're going to they gonna do whatever it needs to be done to, to make their team better, too. I think you're right. I'm interested to see how the shortstops shake out, too, just because you got Correa, Turner, Did Correa have a, like, a good year? Is he going to be, like, demanding a lot? I think so. I think I think he's gonna get. I forget what his. Let me look up his numbers. But he had a good year, um, and he's still so young, man, because he came up so young. He came up um, really. Young. Who's the other? I'm forgetting one big shortstop. Correa, Turner, Turner, Bogarts, Bogarts. But there's one more I'm forgetting. Who's a free agent? Swanson. Oh yeah, Swanson's but I, also a free agent. I feel like Swanson needs to. Be, I feel like the Braves need to sign him back. Yeah, agreed. Um. Yeah, Correa. I, like I, I would too. love if the Yankees went on the pod. He's he's great, man. I would he's love great. He's got some grit to him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Correa hit two ninety one, three sixty six OBP, four sixty seven slugging, eight thirty four OPS, twenty two homers. He had a yeah. He had a really good year. So he's gonna he's, get you, he's, think he's, you think he gets a long term deal from somebody though? I think if he wants it, yes. But but what is long term for him? Long term for him might be more like seven years, six or seven. Yeah, yeah. I, I think seven the most, the absolute most. It, like, especially uh, just based on what we saw last off season. Yeah, you know? and, and and out of all of those other shortstops, he don't move the best out of all of those other yeah. guys. Maybe the right. youngest. You know what I'm saying? But yes, the back injuries and shit, and he don't he don't move that great. Out of he may be the youngest out of all those guys, but you know, movement, like in the way they look out there, I would take all those other guys over him. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be fun, man. Hot stove already burning. 
Plenty to do on the hoops front. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. Make sure you go back. If you have not listened to the episode we dropped last week with Theo Epstein, I cannot recommend it more highly. It's going to inform you about everything you need to know with the rule changes coming up this baseball season. Go back and listen to Dusty and Rob Thompson as well. And uh, we'll have some special guests coming up also. And um, make sure uh, you're checking out our YouTube page at R2C2. Uh, Full episodes are posted there every week now. See? Good stuff, man. Enjoyed you in the Snuggie again. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace. Peace.